Blog Talk Radio. All right, we're just going to give everybody a few, just a little bit to get on here with us, and uh, hopefully some others who don't know about our broadcast this morning will find us and log in. So I got one on here with me this morning. Give just a few minutes, and we'll get some more. There's two. See Miss Joanne and Miss Cindy watching. We appreciate both of them tuning in. And I know I look rough this morning, but under the circumstances, I've done the best I could. So, no, no suit this morning. In a t-shirt and a, and a jacket, but we'll be all right today. Like I said, we'll just give everybody just a few more minutes, or maybe a minute more to get on before we get started. But uh, I'm doing okay. I just want to let everybody know that I'm doing okay. Um, I'll just kind of give you a brief. Those maybe somebody who watches that they're not familiar. Um, right after Thanksgiving, right there we go. Hopefully that won't happen again. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, um, I started sneezing and coughing, and my wife went to town and got a uh, one of those home COVID tests from the pharmacy. Came home and. And I did one, and and there's a blue line for the test line, and there's supposed to be like a pink line that shows up and shows if you're positive. And I couldn't see it, but she swore up now she could see the pink line. Uh, and so I took the second test. There were two in the kit. And uh, the second one came back the same. So I went yesterday to CVS and did a PCR test, and I should have the results by this, this evening. And... Um, I'm really hoping that it all comes back negative and this is just a head cold and I'm going about my business. I don't like being separated from my family. And uh, so far that's where I've been. I've been separated from them and uh, missing my little girl. So anyway, just wanted to kind of give you the heads up. But I, but, I, but other than that, I've not run any fever and my blood oxygen is good. So um, praise the Lord for that. And uh, anyway, let's get into the message this morning. Go ahead and get started. And uh, hopefully those who have not logged in yet will get on here soon. And, and uh, anyway, so this morning we are, um, we are in Chapter 11 of the Book of Acts as we're studying through the Book of Acts. And as I've said many times, the Book of Acts is a transitional book. It is uh, taking us from the, uh, the dispensation of the law which is what you had before Christ died on the cross. Cross. He, uh, you know, even during his ministry, he preached, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." But it was the gospel of the kingdom. He came as the Messiah. He came to establish his kingdom. But the Jews rejected him. They rejected his kingdom, and because they rejected his kingdom, then salvation was opened up to the Gentiles. And that's what we are. We are anybody who's not born a Jew or has not become a Jewish proselyte is considered a Gentile. And so I assume everybody watching this this morning are Gentiles. So anyway, the gospel of the kingdom was preached, again, preaching preaching that they were to observe the law, which taught them that they were sinners, that they couldn't keep it. Uh, the law was a schoolmaster, the Bible says, to point them to Christ. So... They In trying to keep that law, they discovered that they couldn't, and they realized, hey, we need a Messiah. We need a Savior. So they were believing on the Messiah that was to come. Well, Christ came. Again, they rejected him, and, and they crucified him, and they buried him, and he was resurrected three days later. And he took his disciples, and he taught them, he, and, and they went and started preaching in Jerusalem. And then there was the persecution of Stephen. It scattered everybody. Uh, so you had you had the disciples uh, staying, the apostles staying there in Jerusalem, but all the other believers scattering throughout all Judea. And uh, so anyway, last week we talked about we talked about Peter. Peter had been sent out from Jerusalem, and he had gone up to Lydda and to Joppa. And in Lydda, he healed a man named Aeneas. Who was uh, who'd been lame and uh, for eight years he'd been sitting there lame and he had been and he accepted it. Well, Peter healed him, 
and then they heard about the healing up the road about 12 miles away in Joppa. And so they went and come and got Peter, and he went to Joppa, and uh, there was a little girl named Tabitha. I said a little girl. She was probably in her, she probably young, but she was an adult. She was a very, uh, very profitable uh, servant of the Lord. She did all kinds of great things for those in need. She gave to the poor. And uh, Peter Peter raised her from the dead, very similar to the way Jesus raised uh, the centurion's daughter um, from the dead in a very like manner. Well, then he went up to... Um, he went up and stayed with a friend of his by the name of Simon the Tanner. He was staying in his house. And uh, he was there probably hanging out, fishing, just relaxing, spending time with a friend. And uh, it was about the middle of the day. He's up on the rooftop and he's praying. And he falls into a trance. And God shows him this vision of a sheet let down from heaven by the four corners. And in, in it was all manner of beasts, what the Bible had called unclean, which the Jews were to separate from and not partake of. And and three times it was let down from heaven, and it was said to Peter, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And, uh, of course, he didn't want to because it was full of things he'd been taught all his life he was not supposed to eat. So three times Jesus did that. Three times the Lord let this down from heaven. And I said last week, uh, probably letting Peter know, the three times letting Peter know, Hey, this is me. This is the Lord. Because I had to, I had to, you denied me three times, I restored you three times, and here we are three times again, which basically was the Lord's thumbprint on all this. And so he realized and recognized, hey, this this is this is Jesus. This is the same Jesus that uh that I walked with and I spent time with and he's my savior and I and so I am supposed to listen to him. So these men came and got him. And uh, these three men, and then he gathered up six men, six Jews with him, and they went to uh, over to Cornelius's. And when they got to Cornelius's, they found Cornelius there. He was a he was a Roman centurion. He was a man who had come to realize that that uh, the God of the Jews was the true God, and he had been worshiping God uh, the best that he knew how. He was seeking God. And so God, and when, when a man is seeking God or a woman is seeking God, God will get them the message. Uh, you know, all you have to do is search for God, and God will come to you. And that's exactly what happened. We saw that with the Ethiopian eunuch who was riding uh, south back home, and, and God sent Philip to him because he was seeking he was seeking the Lord. And so God will send someone, if you're seeking him, he wants you to be saved more than you want to be saved. So long story short, Peter went down, he preached. We're going to retell the story this morning, so that's all good. Uh, chapter 11, chapter 10, chapter 11 kind of go hand in hand. So we won't have no serious, hardcore, point-by-point -point message this morning. We're get, again, we're going to just take a stroll through chapter 11. But, uh, you know, again, chapter 10 and 11 tell the story of the very first time that the Gentiles ever got saved. So... Let's look back here in Acts chapter 10, 43 and 44. I want to read those to you. The Bible says, To him, that being Christ, give all the prophets witness. This is, this is Peter preaching. All right? He said, To him, give all the prophets witness to Jesus, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive, shall receive remission of sins or forgiveness of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them, that heard his word. Now I want you to see there that it said, "And uh, that whosoever believeth in him should have should receive the remission of sins." It's not about any works that we do. It's about believing in Jesus Christ, believing on the on the sa saving power, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now I was saved by believing just like they were saved. They believed and they received they received forgiveness of sins. I was a seven-year-old boy. I had I had sat in Sunday school and listened to my Sunday school, Miss Shirley Simpson, my Sunday school teacher. She'd shared the gospel with all the little boys in her class Sunday after Sunday. She'd finish her Sunday school lesson in the last five to ten minutes of the lesson. She lined us all up there against the wall in our Sunday school chairs, and she sat in front of us and she told us all that Jesus 
had done everything that was necessary for us to be saved. We didn't have to do anything but believe what Jesus had done for us and trust and, and believe on him and his payment for sins. So I knew that already, and the Holy Spirit of God was working on me. And my mother, on November the 1st, 1975, I had got finished brushing my teeth. I was under conviction. I didn't understand conviction at the moment, but I knew that I was. I, I had a terrible, terrible uh, realization that I was on my way to hell. And when I asked Mama, I said, Mama, if I die tonight, will I go to hell? And she said, do you know you're a sinner? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And Mama was straight with me, and she said, yes, son, you would go to hell. Because people go to hell because they're sinners, and they have to come to Jesus for salvation. And so I said, well, Mama, how do I do that? And she told me the very same thing. She gave a second witness to what Miss Shirley Simpson had told me in Sunday school. So I knew that I had to believe on the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. I knew that I had to believe that he died for my sins, that he was paying for my sins, and that, and that he was buried just like the Bible said and that he rose from the grave just like the Bible said. And I believed that, and I was saved, okay? So immediately, immediately after I got saved, I had joy in my heart. See, the Holy Ghost of God, the moment we get saved, the Holy Ghost of God moves into our life. He brings our spirit, which is dead before. Our, the spirit of a lost man is dead. But the Holy Ghost of God brings that spirit to life in a man, and that's the part of you that communicates with God. The Holy Spirit of God living in you. God lives inside the person of a believer. He dwells there. He lives there. And he moved in and, and lives in me still there. And so I had joy immediately. And, and I went to church that next morning. It was a Saturday night when I got saved. So the next morning I went to church, and uh, I was excited to testify that I got saved. I couldn't wait. I mean, as soon as that pianist hit the first note of, on that invitation song, I was out that pew, and I darted down that aisle, and I went down there, and I told Brother Hollis Pirtle, Brother Pirtle, I got saved last night. I couldn't wait to tell somebody. I was chomping at the bit. I was so excited that I was saved. And uh, listen, that's what the Holy Ghost of God will do when he moves in. He will get you excited for the Lord. And I, and I had a desire to be baptized. Why? Because I wanted to identify myself with my Savior. I didn't want any time to pass. I was ready. And, of course, the pastor, he was like, well, we'll, we'll wait and see. He's young. We'll wait and see. And I didn't want to wait and see. And so immediately, right after church, we're standing out in front of everybody, shaking hands, talking, and, 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 and going to their cars and everything. And I told my papa, I said, Papa, I got saved. I want to get baptized. And he said, well, go tell Brother Pirtle. So I walked over, and I grabbed him by his suit coat, and I yanked on it two or three times. And he looked down, and he said, yes, sir. And I said, Brother Pirtle, I got saved. I want to get baptized. And so he told my papa, he said, Edward, run the water, and we'll do it tonight. So I praise God. I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for, for the Holy Spirit of God moving in in my life immediately. And I thank God for my baptism, identifying myself with my Savior. But I got with the Holy Ghost, not after baptism, but immediately. And that's what happens. He comes in immediately and sets up residence there. So let's, let's turn this morning. Let's look in chapter 11 of Acts, and we're going to just walk through here. We're going to glean what we can glean. We're not going to stay a long time on any verse. We're not going to belabor the point. I just want to share some things with you this morning that God has shared with me. And let's look at it this morning. Let's pray before we start. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for Lord, for just for life. Lord, I thank you for life and I thank you for health. I thank you, Lord, that I feel as good as I do this morning. Lord, I don't have any fever. And Lord, I and I'm not coughing a lot. Now I feel pretty good and I'm thankful, Lord. And I know that that's you. I know that you're 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 giving me, Lord, that healing I need. And Father, I'm just grateful for it. Lord, I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit of God would open our understanding and help us to receive something from the Word of God today. Lord, that's my heart's desire. I just want to be a blessing. So, Father, please help us now as we meet together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 11. The Bible says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that Gentiles... The Gentiles had also received the word of God. 
So they they heard about the Gentiles getting saved. You know, again, Peter left. He went to Lydda, then to Joppa, then up to Simon the Tanner. So he'd been gone all this time from Jerusalem. So he comes back after having gone to Cornelius's and seeing all those people saved, and they heard about it. And so they 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 wanted to talk to Peter. So anyway, look at verse 2. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. What in the world were you thinking, Peter? Have you lost your cotton-picking mind? God told us to stay away from those filthy Gentiles, and you've done been down there with them and eating with them. Now, they were upset. They were really upset with him. And, you know, I can understand it because they hadn't had the revelation that he had had. They hadn't seen the vision that he had had. It looked like to them that he was just ignoring what God had said. So, again, the circumcision, that refers to the Jews who insisted on keeping the law. They had not heard of the gospel of grace. Okay? They didn't, again... We're in a transitional book. God is slowly revealing things. All right? God is giving this to everybody slowly. He's revealing that we're no longer under the dispensation of the law. This is taking place in a in a gradual manner. Okay? Uh, again, God does things in his time. He does it in his way. And we need to understand how he's working so we can understand what's going on. Okay? But you and I, don't let anything that's going on with the Jews and, and, and don't let that confuse you if you're not if you you weren't a Jew, okay, you're a Gentile, you need to understand that Paul, the apostle Paul, is the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter is not the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter Peter is not Peter is not sent out to reach you and I. Peter was sent out to reach the Jews. Okay? So now let's continue. So he asked him in verse three, he said, what in the world? Why did you go in to men uncircumcised? Why did you sit down and eat with the Gentiles? Well, if we look back over in chapter 10, in verse 28, Peter said, He said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing, that's unlawful to God, not unlawful to man, but unlawful to God, an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, to hang around, spend time with, fellowship with, or come unto one that of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, Let me just say this. I, I think it's apparent here that God not only cleansed the Gentiles, as as that vision demonstrates, but God also cleansed that food. He also cleansed those meats. He also made that okay. Because, again, we see they said, you went and ate with them. Well, if he ate with them, obviously he wasn't eating kosher meals if he's eating with the Gentiles. And God cleansed that. God made that okay. So I don't feel bad eating pork chops. I don't feel bad eating bacon. I don't feel bad eating catfish. I don't feel bad eating crawfish. I don't feel bad eating shrimp or lobster or crab or anything else like that. I don't I don't feel bad at all. I don't feel bad about eating goat. I, I don't feel bad about eating anything because God cleansed it. Some of y'all wouldn't eat goat, but it's good if you barbecue it. That's here, neither here nor there. All right. So, again, he said, God has not called, God, God didn't call, God told me that, that I shouldn't call any man common or unclean. I shouldn't say anybody is not worthy of me going to them, okay? Um, I want to show you something, though. I want to show you something. Over in Galatians, if you'll turn over there with me, Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Galatians chapter 2. I want you to understand something. Peter fears the Jews. He always has feared the Jews, and I'm going to show that to you. If you'll remember the night of Jesus' uh, arrest, what did Peter do? Peter Peter followed afar off. He was afraid of the Jews. Peter went out and warmed himself around that fire with with God haters, 
And when they asked him, he said, you're one of them, aren't you? What did he do? He denied three times that he knew him. Why? Because he feared the Jews. He even cursed. He cursed like a sailor, sailor trying to uh, trying to trick everybody into believing that, that, that he wasn't a, a follower of Jesus. But he said, your speech betray, betrayeth thee. Uh, we can tell that you've been with him. But Peter was afraid of the Jews. So look over here in Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to see another instance here why he, how he was intimidated and uh, by the Jews. Uh, Galatians 2.11, the Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, this is Paul talking, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. In other words, Paul got in Peter's face. I mean, bowed up at him and stood up to him. All right? He said, because he was to be blamed. Well, what did Peter do? It was so wrong. It, all right? He says, for before that certain came from James. So some, some, some men came down from James in Jerusalem. They come down to check them out. And uh, the Bible says before that, he did eat with the Gentiles. So before, he, he's having good fellowship with them, sitting down there and, and eating and talking and having a good time because they all were saved, and he was saved. So they were brethren, so they were, they were fellowship and everything. But when, but when they were come, the Jews from Jerusalem, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And other Jews dissembled, Likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. We know that now. We understand that. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. <coughs> and listen, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Your good works can't get you into heaven. You have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. So Peter, every time they come down there, every time them Gentiles, I mean the, the Jews, when the Jews came down, he he just totally became a hypocrite is what he did. That's what dissembling means. He talked about, he said he dissembled likewise, uh, those Jews dissembled with Peter. They became hypocrites. Uh, those that had been there with the Gentiles, eating and having a good time and fellowship and everything, I mean, he treated them like they were outcasts when the Jews showed up. So, yes, that's totally a hypocrite. You're trying to teach these people to love one another and have the love of Christ, and then you withdraw yourself and talk bad about them behind their back. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Peter feared the Jews. So, anyway, I just want you to see that. Uh, you know, God God cleanses God cleanses unclean things. God is able. That's, he's in the cleansing business. Let's get back in our text over here. Y'all forgive me for taking a little long going from verse to verse, but I'm in a pickup truck and I'm trying to manage all these things at one time. All right. So we'll look at our let's look, let's look back in verse three. Verse uh, well, let's look at verse four, verses four through nine. Let's read that. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, "So Peter's going to tell these Jews in Jerusalem. We're back in Jerusalem in Acts eleven, and so he, they ask him, why don't you go into those men uncircumcised? Why didn't you eat with them?' He rehearsed the, the matter with them from the beginning." founded it in order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came even to me, upon the which when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air, bugs and birds and all kinds of things. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. 
But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, call that call thou not, not thou common. In other words, don't you dare say what I've cleansed is dirty. Don't you dare say that what I what I took care of is unclean. You see, again, if God wants to cleanse meat and make it okay for you to eat, that's up to God. That ain't up to you. If God wants to, uh, God wanted to make these these uh, Gentiles uh, clean and worthy of the Jews going into and preaching the gospel to them, then that's God's business. It's not for us to decide. We're not to look at somebody and say, you know, you're not worthy of hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of this or that. Can I just say something to you? Can I just share something with you that bothers me? It bothers me when I hear people say, you know, we ought to just go over. You used to say this a lot during during, uh, during the Obama years, but they say, we ought to just go over and just turn that whole place over into a parking lot or into a sheet of glass. Just drop some nukes on them and be done with it. Can I ask you something, neighbor, if you felt like that or thought like that? I understand, you know, we're patriotic Americans and we – we love America, and we hate anything that would threaten America. But do you not think that those people deserve to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you not think they're worthy of hearing the message of salvation and possibly being born again? I mean, can you in your mind conceive of just destroying somebody without ever giving them a chance to hear of Christ? I mean, to me, that seems absolutely the opposite of the way God would do things. God is not God is not a God of just war. God is a God of peace. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And I know Jesus, I know God sent the Israelites to war. God God did. God fought battles and God God had them destroy uh people who came against them. But I'm telling you today, we're living in the age of grace. This is not Israel walking through, uh, walking, walking on their way to the promised land. This is not that anymore. God used Israel in the Old Testament, or he used the Jews, to show his love. He, he used them to get the message down through the ages. He used them in their bloodline to bring Jesus Christ in the flesh into the world. But I'm telling you today, God is not in favor of us just saying, let's just kill everybody over there we disagree with or everybody that, that hates us. That's not how we deal with things. We ought to have a heart for the gospel for those people. We ought to have, have a desire to uh, fund missionaries to get them over there so they can hear about Christ. Anyway, i get off on that for a while. I'll run a rabbit trail. But I want you to understand something. God has cleansed, and and I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. I was raised in Arkansas, in southwest Arkansas, uh, in the 60s and 70s. I, matter of fact, the town that I was raised in is a very famous town. It was famous because of a lady named Maya Angelou who wrote a book called I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. They made a movie out of it. It was based in Stamps, Arkansas, which is where I'm from. And believe you me, I saw racism. I saw racism on both sides. Uh, I know what it's like to go in a store and have people of, uh, that are brown skin look at me with disgust. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the way they felt about maybe older white people in the community. I was around white people who said the N-word. I, I know what it means to be around racism, but I'm going to tell you something. When I got up and got out of there, and it's not that that place is that way anymore. Everywhere was that way to a degree back in those days, and it wasn't good. But we've come past that. And I'll tell you something, I, I learned a lesson, a very valuable lesson, when, when I went to Bible college, and they sent me off into southwest Shreveport. And there were no white people there. All, everybody there was black. And, and you know what? I loved them people. And I, and I shared Christ with them. And I saw many of them trust Jesus as their Savior. And God showed me something. Listen, there's nobody that doesn't deserve to hear the gospel. Even though I was raised in an environment where I was taught we don't mix. Well, I, well, you know what? If we don't mix, then we're not. Then, then they're not going to hear Jesus. If if somebody doesn't go, somebody doesn't have a heart and a burden to go to a person that doesn't look just like them, they may never hear about Jesus. You you need to forget your your prejudices and your perceptions, and you need to realize that we are instruments that God chooses to use to give the gospel to whomever he chooses to give it to, not who we feel like we ought to give it to. 
Just want to say that, and I'll move on. But God wants us to go to all men. All right. So let's uh, again with that. Let me just share this verse. Let's listen to what Paul says about the, about the matter. In uh, in First Corinthians chapter nine verse twenty two, he said to the weak, "Became I as weak, that I might gain the weak." I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So he's talking about those who are weak. Listen, maybe they're maybe they're they're li- they're living a life of terrible, horrible sin. Paul said, you know, I had to get down on their level, and I, I didn't come at them like, I, oh, look at me, I'm Mister Religion, I know it all. No, he I got down on their level, right where they were at. To the weak, I became as weak. He didn't say I became weak. He said, I became as weak. In other words, I humbled myself, and I didn't judge them in their sin. I just saw that they were a sinner in need of Jesus. So I got down where they were at, and I talked to them on a level they could understand, and I shared Christ with them. That's that's really what it's all about, folks. It's not about us and our how, how, how much we know. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know you care. Once they know you care, they'll listen to what you know. But they don't care about how smart you are, how religious you are, what you know as far as spiritual things. As as far as spiritual things go until they know that you care about them. Let's keep going. All right. Let's look at verses 10 through 14. i got to get back over there. All right, chapter 11, verses 10 through 14. All right, so he said, what God has cleansed, call thou not common. All right, in chapter in verse 9. And, and this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. All right? Let's look over at Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. Romans 10, 13 and 14. Again, let me read let me read let me read there from Acts right before I read that again. Alright. He said this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. Behold, immediately there were three men already come from the house, in under the house where I was, sent from Caesarea. And the Spirit bade me go with them. All right, let's let's look here. In Romans chapter ten, verse thirteen to fourteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But listen, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So they sent for Peter. Why? Because they needed a preacher. They wanted to understand the word of God. Uh, I mean, they're down there and they and they're 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 trying their best, but they need somebody who understands and knows and is saved, not just somebody who's religious, not just somebody who's following God, but somebody who's saved. And and so they and, and so God told them to go get Peter. You know, God's good like that. God will take care of you if you pray. If you're praying and seeking Him. God will make sure you're taken care of. All right, let's look at verse 15. Verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. All right? The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Verse 45 and 46 of chapter 10, the Bible said, And then they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. All right? So, the Bible said they began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. So immediately when they were hearing the preaching of the word of God, what happened? The Spirit of God moved in them. The Spirit of God showed them this is real. This is it. This is what you need. And immediately, immediately they got born again and the Spirit of God moved in. Okay? All right, let's look look again here. Verse 16. 
And then Peter said, then I remembered, then remembered out of the word of the Lord how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's from Acts chapter 1, verse 5. That's right before Jesus' ascension into heaven. He tells them, John indeed baptized with water. Now, he was baptizing, he was baptizing Jews uh, the baptism of repentance. They were they were baptized. They were saying, you know what? I'm I'm not going to believe that that works can save me anymore. I'm trusting the Messiah. I'm believing on the one who's to come, and and so that was that was the dispensation of the law. And they were looking forward. They were looking forward to the Messiah. Well, we are in the dispensation of grace, and we're looking back at the Savior who came and died, and and paid the debt for sins. So he's remembering that. He's remembered. God is Christ has told me that these things are going to take place. He's remembering all that. When he sees this happen, he's like, okay, this is what Jesus was talking about. For as much, verse 17, for as much then as God gave them the, the like gift as he did unto us, what's he referring to there? He's referring to them. They spake with other tongues. They spake, and, and, and these Jews spake, in, I mean, I'm sorry, these Gentiles spake in the Hebrew tongue, I believe, because Peter and the men who were with them understood it. So, uh, again, they had to have been speaking Hebrew or Chaldean. Greek wouldn't have been a stretch from where they were from. They would have known Greek. So this had to be a religion, this had to be a language, rather, that, that they understood. So I believe they spoke in Hebrew or possibly Chaldean or, or even Aramaic. I don't know what it was, but I believe that they heard them and they understood it. All right, again, verse 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? He said, Peter's talking to these Jews in Jerusalem, and he said, look, you know, y'all know what happened on the day of Pentecost. God showed up, and we were there. And we knew that the Holy Spirit of God was working and moving on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because all these people began to speak with other tongues, and they spoke in the tongues of the men that were there to proclaim to them that this is God moving because they were all Jews. And the Bible tells us that the Jews require a sign. They require a miracle, proof that that's, that that's God working. So again, at Cornelius' house, when these these men, these men called the Italian band, these soldiers, when they heard the gospel and when the Holy Ghost fell on them and they got saved, that moment they began to speak in another tongue and rejoicing so that the Jews who came with Peter, and Peter who was a Jew himself, would know that this is God the Holy Ghost at work. This is not complicated stuff, folks. This is not hard to understand. It just takes a little reading in the Bible and and comparing and comparing spiritual things to spiritual. It just requires you studying and kind of looking back at where things happened before and understanding. It's it's not it's not extremely difficult. It just takes you being a student of the Word of God. All right. So, verse seventeen again. Let me read that. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just let's just talk about that for a minute. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I also believe in George Washington. I believe in John F. Kennedy, believe in Robert E. Lee, believe in Thomas Jefferson. I believe in Genghis Khan. I believe in Adolf Hitler. You say, you trust those? No, I just know they were historical figures, and I believe that they existed. I told people before, I've never been to Canada either, but I believe if I get in the car with enough gas and drive north, I'll eventually see it. Just because I haven't seen it with my eyes doesn't mean I don't believe in it. <clears throat> but in other words... Believing in something is believing in up here. Believing on something is different. Believing on something is believing in, in here, in your heart. That means you trust it, okay? Right this moment, I'm sitting inside my pickup truck. When I got in, I didn't think it was going to fall apart when I sat down. I trusted it. 
sit down, put all my weight on it. I haven't got one foot out on the ground. I'm trusting this truck to hold me up off the ground. You know, we have that kind of faith when we uh, we turn a light switch on. We trust that it's going to come on. Um, anybody who's ever flown on an airplane, you're using that kind of faith. You're believing on something. When you go down that little narrow chute and you go inside that plane and you sit down and buckle up, you're trusting a pilot who you more than likely never saw. You're trusting him to carry you in a vehicle through the sky to a location that you've never, that, I mean, that you can't get to on your own without that plane. Uh, you can't fly. So you're putting yourself in the hands of a pilot. You're trusting his training. You're trusting, uh, you're trusting that the mechanical structure of that plane. You're trusting every uh, engineer and mechanic and uh, parts maker. You're trusting all of them to have done everything right because you know at the thirty thousand feet, you know if you have a problem, you can't pull over and have a mechanic work on it. It's 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 important that it that it all function right. And you have to put faith, and I'm talking about living and dying faith, into the hands of a man you've never seen and people you've never known to get you to your location. That's the way it is with salvation. You you and I have never seen Jesus with our physical eyes, but we have seen him through the eyes of faith. And we trust that he has he has done everything necessary to get us from our location to heaven. That's salvation. That's trusting Christ. Uh you, I'll give you another example. You go in, you're in a big city somewhere, and you hail a taxi. You're getting in a taxi cab with a man you don't know, and you probably will never really know, and you're trusting him to get you to your location safely. That's 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 faith, man. That's faith. And 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 that's exactly what we're talking about here. God gave them that gift. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means you are trusting him, you are depending on him, and you are relying on him. You're saying, Jesus, if I go to hell, it's your fault because I'm trusting you. I'm believing in your shed blood. I'm believing that you died just as the Scripture said, you were buried just as the Scripture said, and you rose again just as the Scripture said, and I believe it, and I trust it, and I'm relying on you to get me to heaven. All right, let's continue. We're getting close to the end. (coughs) Verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace. (coughs) And they glorified God. They glorified God. And what did they say? Saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted, what? Repentance unto life. Here's another term we need to talk about. Repentance. What does that mean, repentance unto life? What did God give them? All right, we know the Bible says, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says about Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. We're not talking about life like everybody has and everything that's alive on earth has. That, this is temporary life. This, is, this, this life has an end. It has an expiration date. Okay, but we're talking about eternal life, okay? You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life outside of Christ. There's no real life. And God granted them repentance unto what? Eternal life. Repentance. What does repentance mean? And here lately on Facebook, some of my brethren have been uh, having some issues with people who are accusing them of work salvation because they preach repentance. I preach repentance. And any preacher who preaches the Bible accurately will preach repentance. And any preacher who tells you that repentance is not for us is a is a, a devil out of hell preaching you a false gospel. If you think that that by by saying certain words you're going to heaven, you're you're fooled. The devil's got you fooled. Repentance means this. Hear what I'm going to say clearly. Repentance is you agreeing with God about your sin. You realize, by the, and you can't come to that on your own. God has to work in you to show you that. God is drawing you. God, by his Holy Ghost, is drawing you to himself. Okay? He's pulling you by his spirit. And you're, you begin to think on, you know, I, I've, I've sinned against God. 
my sins are going to be there when I die. I got to do something. How can I be saved? Okay, then that's when the Spirit of God shows you that Christ is the way of salvation. And and, and yes, you need somebody to show, share that with you. You need that's why we need to be witnesses because people need to hear from our lips that Jesus Christ is the Savior. But when one hears that saving message, and that and that's coupled together with repentance, that's when one comes and and and, and believes on Christ and is saved because. Unless you repent, the Bible says you shall all likewise perish. Without repentance, there will be no salvation. Now, repentance and belief are the two sides of the same coin. You can't you can't believe if you don't repent. You can't repent and not believe. It, it just don't work that way. So it's all a divine act that takes place by the Holy Ghost of God when he draws you and you you come to him believing. It all takes place. Okay, but that's what happened to them. They realized, you know, all the all the things we've done throughout our life, all these false gods we've worshipped, all these things we've done it wrong. Uh, you know, even 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 their belief in God without Christ was wrong. You know, there's lots of people in this world who who believe they give they give mental assent to a god. There's lots of people in this world who wear crosses around their neck who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see that throughout the music industry, the the Hollywood industry. There's plenty of people who who have symbols on them but don't believe. You have to put your faith in him. That's all it comes down to. Let's keep going. Now they which were scattered abroad, Cushion that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch. Preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, let's look at that. All right. First of all, we see in verse 19 that after after he came and, and told them these things, well, they were they they were okay with it. They said, "Okay, we we receive we receive it. We now understand." We they held their peace. They shut up. They glorified. They said, "Praise God! These people got saved. They He has granted them the Gentiles repentance unto life." But that's as far as they went. That's it. Right after that, it says, "They which were the which were scattered abroad." Upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. Well, they'd heard that Gentiles had received Christ, but they weren't trying to preach to the Gentiles. You know why that was? Because that was Paul's ministry. It wasn't their ministry. It was Paul's ministry. He was the apostle of the Gentiles, and we'll see that in the upcoming upcoming chapters. But uh, But a great thing happens here in verse 20. And some of the men which were at Cy- men of Cyprus and Cyrene, so some of these people that got saved when these Jews went about preaching, some of the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch under the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So they, some of these converts, they went, they went to Antioch, and they start preaching to these Greeks. They start preaching to these Gentiles, and they're getting saved. They pre- why? Because they're preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, and the, and the Bible says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Let me stop right there and park a minute. The hand of the Lord was with them. Can I say something to you? Unless the hand of the Lord is with you, you will be rendered ineffective. You will be an absolute flop and failure for God unless the hand of the Lord is with you. You say, how do I get the hand of the Lord with me? You need Holy Ghost power. Say, how do I get that? You surrender yourself to God. You quit trying to do it your way. You quit trying to you quit trying to shoehorn God into your plan. And you 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 say, God, I, I'm yours. Take me and do with me as you will. See, we can't get God to rubber stamp. See, oh God, I figured it all out. I know what I need to do here. Rubber stamp this. God's not going to do that because you don't lead God around. God is to lead you, my friend. God is not your gopher. He is not your servant. He's God. You're his servant. You're his gopher. Do what he asks you to do. 
Be willing. Put yourself in his hands. Say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do. God's God's capable. If God can get Philip down toward Gaza to that Ethiopian eunuch, if God can get Philip to Caesarea, to Cornelius, God can get you to whoever he wants you to get he get you to. He knows how to move from point A to point B. But it takes somebody being willing. It takes somebody who says, Lord, I'm yours, and I'm in your hand, and I'm trusting you. Use me. Do something with me. The hand of the Lord, verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them. That's the only way you'll be effective. And look what happened. And a great number believed. Now, listen, revival doesn't happen because we put it on a date, uh, put a date on a calendar and say it's going to be then. Revival takes place because God's people hit their knees and pray for revival. All right, verse 22, then tidings of these things came into the ears of Barnabas. I'm sorry, then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So we're seeing here, see, God's beginning to move. God's beginning to get things done. God's beginning to build his Gentile church, and so he's doing it by sending people out. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen to me. All those of you who go to church and you and you go into church and worship God and all that, that's not all there is to it. God has called us to go out among the lost and win them and bring them back in. We, we've got this crazy idea, and I don't know where it came from, that we're supposed to invite people who are lost to church and get them there, and hopefully they'll listen to the preacher enough that they'll get under conviction and get saved. That's not God's plan. God's plan is never bring them in and get them saved. God's plan is always go out to them and get them saved and bring them back in. Okay? We need to get that through our heads. And that's what happened. He sent them out. He sent them out. All right? So he sent Barnabas to Antioch. Look at verse 23. Who, when he came... And had seen the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. You see that last line there? That with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. So when he got down there, he said, you know, this is awesome. God has saved y'all. And and I want to encourage you that, that you that you make it a, a purpose of your heart. You, you, in other words, you plan to do this. You don't just uh, roll with the flow, just day after. You have to make a plan. You know, I, a preacher a long time ago said this. I never forgot it. It was Dr. John R. Rice. He said, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And when we fail, when we fail to plan to reach sinners, we fail. We plan to fail, and we will not see people get saved if we don't expect to go out and win them. If we don't, and, and you say, go out and win them. They're everywhere, folks. It ain't like we got to hunt them down. They're everywhere. It just takes us opening our mouth and sharing what Christ has done. It's not difficult, folks. You pray beforehand. You say, God, please give me your spirit. Give me the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, make me soul conscious. Lord, give me courage. Give me the words to speak. Help me talk to sinners. Do it in love and compassion. Don't ever come with a high and mighty attitude. Come with a humble spirit and share what Christ has done for you. And I'm going to promise you that God will bless that. God has blessed it every time I've ever shared Christ with somebody. Sometimes they don't want it. Sometimes they reject it. But you know what? That that, That just makes me more resolved to go to another one. And, folks, I will tell you, there's nothing as blessed in this world except for your own salvation as seeing somebody else get saved. Now, so with purpose of heart, they would cleave to the Lord. So cleaving, you know, we read that word when it talks about marriage, that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Cleave means to be united closely in interest and affection. Are you united, God, closely in interests? I think that's a fair question. We need to look at our life. 
do my interests line up with a Christian, what a Christian ought to be? The things that I enjoy, the things that I find pleasurable, are those things Christian? Are those things, do they, do they line up with what God would want a believer to be? Do we line up in our affection, the things that we love, the things that we enjoy? Are those things that God would enjoy, us, uh, us enjoying? Are those things that God would love for us to be around and love for us to partake in? And the second part of that word cleave is to adhere with a strong attachment. You know, when two people get married, when a, when a man and wife, I should say, not two people, when a man and a woman get married, anything else is not marriage. It's blasphemy. But when a man and a woman get married, they are to adhere with a strong attachment. Matter of fact, we take vows. We say, till death do us part, to mean forever. That's the way it ought to be with us and God. We ought to adhere to him with a strong attachment so so much that nothing can pull us from his side. And we're getting, we're getting close to the end. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Verse 24, for he was a good man, talking about Barnabas, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. That's why, because he, he that being a good man doesn't, it's not talking about Barnabas in his flesh. That's talking about the fact that Barnabas yielded to God. Barnabas asked the Holy Spirit of God to lead him. Barnabas is trusting in the Lord, and, and Barnabas is asking God for a vision, asking God for a burden, and asking God to show him people that need Jesus. And because of that, Barnabas walks in faith. Barnabas walks full of the Holy Ghost. He, he's, he's praying for the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God. Use me today. Live through me. Show others Christ through me. Speak through me. Empower me. Give me courage. We're just asking Jesus to be Jesus through us. Let others see Jesus in you. That's what Barnabas was praying for. And so when Barnabas went about uh, just living his life there in Antioch, he ran into people, and when he ran into them, he talked to them, and when he talked to them, he shared with them the message of the gospel, and when he did that, they trusted Christ. That's how it's supposed to happen. That's exactly how this is supposed to happen. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So he went to find him a missionary partner in Saul, Tarsus, or Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first. In Antioch. All right. So he went and got Paul, and they came back down to Antioch, and they stayed there a whole year with that church, and they taught them the doctrines. They taught them what Christ had taught Paul in the desert. They learned the doctrines of grace. They learned, they learned about how to be a believer. And, and they began calling them Christians there. Now, they didn't call themselves Christians. They began calling them Christians there. And Christian means little Christ. And that's what they were. They, they were. they were walking and talking and acting as Christ did while he was here on earth. How did they do that? They did that the power of the Holy Ghost. Unless, unless the Holy Ghost is in control, you can't serve God right. You can't do it in your flesh. So... That's what this whole chapter, I mean, that's what this whole book's about. We're talking Holy Ghost power. These men were able to be effective for God because they humbled themselves, they surrendered themselves, and they and they waited on the Lord. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean they got something else from somewhere else. Let me make that clear. They, The Holy Ghost fell on them when they got saved. He moved in. He is now filling their beings. When they get on their knees in prayer and they surrender themselves to God and say, Lord, please, I don't want to interfere. I don't want to get in the way, take over, take control of me. Their flesh is put aside, and the Spirit of God is working through them at that time. And that's how they're able to do these things. It's not them. It's God. They're just, they're just an instrument in his hand. You know, I've got plenty of hammers around my house. 
but I've never seen one driving a nail when I wasn't around or when I, I never walked up and caught one driving a nail by itself. You see, that, that object is, is rendered useless without a human hand on it, using it. You and I are like that hammer. We have a purpose, but we can't be effective unless the hand of God is the one driving us. You understand what I'm saying? It's not you and I. It's God. But we have to put ourselves in God's hand and let him drive the nail he wants to drive. Let him do what he wants to do with us. All right, so we're going to wind this thing up because we're kind of getting into what's going to go on next. Uh, but I do want to share a couple thoughts with you before we go. Verse 27 through 30. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world. That means it's going to be a bad, bad uh, drought. It'll be hard times, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which they also, also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, I want to finish up with this thought, and, I, and this, it really doesn't tie in with what all else we've been saying, but this prophet Agabus, he prophesied that there was going to be a drought in the days of Claudius Caesar, and it came to pass. And that's how you know that he was of God, because what he said came to pass. There have been a many of people who've come along and said, Thus saith the Lord, who found have been found out to be liars. I want to tell you a little story. I, years and years and years ago, when I was just a young man, I was working for a carpet layer. We were working in Cooper, Texas. I was laying carpet in the hallway, and I struck up a conversation with the lady of the house and uh, shared with her that I was a preacher. I just I just surrendered to ministry. I hadn't been in it very long. I was pastoring at the time. And she went into the bedroom that was right off the hall, and it was dark in that bedroom. And I could see her sitting on the edge of the bed, sitting at a, at a side table, doing something. I didn't know what she was doing. But it was right about the time we finished. And it was, as we finished, she came to me, and she handed me an envelope. She said, I want you to read this on your way home. So we got in the truck and told guy I worked for, I said, this woman gave me this envelope, told me to read this. Well, what in the world it is? So I opened it up, and it was this long page about what God was going to do in my life. And she spelled out all these things that God was going to do in my life. And at the bottom of it, she wrote these words, thus saith the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. She was wrong. You know what that makes her? That makes her a false prophet. Anybody who tells you that God is going to do something and he doesn't do it, they are not from God. They're from Satan because God does not tell lies. God does not make mistakes. And God, God's, let me tell you something. This book right here, this book, this book right here is finished. There's no more. If everybody who said, thus saith the Lord, after they wrote something, if that was all added, I couldn't hold this book. It would be too heavy. This book is finished. This book is finished. Nobody else is going to give you any other word of prophecy that doesn't line up with this book. If they tell you something that lines up with this book, you can bank on it. But until they do, they're a false prophet. Folks, I thank you for listening today, and I hope and pray that, that you've that God's dealt with you about something, maybe about being filled with the Spirit of God, maybe about witnessing to other people, maybe just about hitting your knees and praying, God, please fill me, please use me, please do something with my life. Oh, that's all I want is to, to be used of God. He'll use you. He wants to use you more than you want to be used. Let him have your life. Turn it over to him. He'll take you and do something with you more than you could have ever dreamed of. That's my heart's desire. I love you, folks. 
I love each and every one of you. Thank you. Those are of our, of our church members who've tuned in to listen today. Keep praying for me. I'll be all right. I'll get better. But uh, I hope and pray this isn't COVID. I'll find out by this evening, and I'll know for sure. If it's not, I'll see you on Wednesday. If it is, we'll figure something out. But to the rest of you tuned in, my Facebook friends, God bless you. Thank you so much. Love each and every one of you. Thank God for you. And my prayer for you is that God will bless you and God will use you because Lord knows we're living in the end. We're close to the end. If there's ever a time we need to do something for the Lord, it's now. Let's make use of the time that God's given us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for each and every one that's heard the message today. Please, Lord, be with them in their need. Lord, all of us have different burdens and different needs. And, Father, we just thank you. Lord, you're able to meet those needs. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that are sick today. Lord, I pray for their healing. I pray for those who've lost loved ones. Lord, that you'd comfort them with your mercy and your grace. And, Lord God, for those who are out there listening to me and may be listening and, and, and have no idea how to be saved, Father, I pray that by now, Lord, they've heard the gospel. And I pray that even now they would they would come to you and believe on the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I pray, Lord, that they'd receive the Holy Ghost of God and, and, and follow you in baptism and, and go forth and, and, and cleave to you and serve you with all their heart. Lord God, please bless us now throughout this week. We just give you all the glory and the praise. Father, forgive our sins. Father, fill us with your spirit. And Lord, draw us to yourself. Bless us and keep us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.